Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, it is the middle of March. There is no spring baseball on. Which means we pitchers have pitchers and catchers down. have not reported. Pitchers and catchers have not reported. We really, I mean, I don't even really know what to talk about. Uh, good thing uh, KBO Korean baseball is right around the corner. So we have reached out to the number one originator on the planet of Korean baseball lines, none other than Matt Lindemann. Matt, welcome back to the deep dive. I appreciate you guys having me. God bless. I don't need I don't need that kind of pressure. Those expectations last year was kind of like underwhelming in KBO. I don't know if I I don't know if I have that same magic of, from uh, two years ago. Well, that's not really what we're here to talk about. Yeah. We're here to talk about <laughs> if we if we're going to talk KBO, I'd rather talk about the guy that took MGM for all that money, the kiosk yeah. the kiosk puncher. That what was didn't it? help my cause doing that. Yeah. God, well, oh, he was it was pass posting because was, of the time yeah. off. Yeah, he like got him on the sixth, seventh inning, something like that. I was yeah. I was thinking about that the other day because I've I've seen something have some problems. I'm like, I wonder if there's a kiosk or a sports book or somebody who screwed up with daylight savings time on Monday, like or or oh, know, I bet be you, Sunday. Yeah. I said, I wonder if there's someone somewhere. It's like I think mm-hmm. this game started. The software's out. You remember? Like, you, know, you guys know Spreadpedia, obviously. Oh, like, yeah. He goes oh, way yeah. back. He had a funny story about that one time where there was a like European golf tour did not go daylight savings. U.S. did. And everybody set the times based on the wrong time oh. on Sundays. And he got a bunch of pass posts down at one point. I, I don't know if that happened this week or not, but that happened. That, that's what we'll have to watch. You have to watch. <laughs> you only uh, get burned once. Yeah, European sport. Yeah, you, that's the thing. <laughs> God, we're way off topic already. But yeah, if you take your shot, that might be it. You better yeah. make it work. You better cash in. Like, yeah. Yeah, you get one. Yeah, you only. Yeah, and if you're in the bookmaking side, it only happens to you once. Anyway, we want to get a link inside look into the bookmaking side of things. And honestly, there are very few kind of new and you know new ventures that come across the gambling landscape that catch my interest. Uh, Andy, when he was playing Wii Golf, definitely did. I, I, was I like, did oh, that. This today. is cool. Like, <laughs> like, oh yeah, I, get, I like Andy previewing the golf courses playing on his Wii for whatever reason that draws me in every time it's not the Wii it's the switch excuse me the, the switch. switch yeah we're up, we up I gotta get I gotta get this right um so that's always that was a catch my interest but also now uh Matt in his role with Winbet um sets the opening lines in the basketball market if you didn't already know uh one of the you know I, I would say the originators uh you know there are probably other people that are doing it somewhat simultaneously chronologically similar sometimes you're not the first but you're you know consistently up there early and i appreciate getting some insight in terms of uh, your process and seeing the opening lines and um you know i like all of that breakdown and of course you know what better resource to talk about some of these openers for college basketball as we are now uh on the eve of tipping off this college basketball tournament but uh, yeah no thank you for uh, for putting that content out there and I, I how did you guys you guys just you, you couldn't you couldn't get enough of the camera you just want to be on screen all the time so you're like let's let's uh, let's come up with a way to get me out there every day doing this yeah well you know it's funny like you know how bookmakers kind of are you've seen it over the years like some guys are numbers guys some guys are talkers it's tough to get 
it's tough to find guys who can do both, you know? So obviously like, you know, we we're comfortable off camera, but we don't have a lot of experience. So I wanted to try to get more reps for Mo and I felt like, you know, there's a really good dynamic in the room. Like we all have a ton of fun in there. And we've always talked about everywhere we've worked. We said, man, if we just had a camera in here, people would find it so fascinating. And um, I mean, we spent all day laughing in there. So like, I, uh, I, I don't know. We just, we thought we wanted to try it out and we started doing NBA openers a few months earlier. And, and we realized it was like a 20 to 30 minute process. And um, the, uh, yeah, basically we, we realized it's something we could record, we could go through quickly. And so we jumped on that. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been really interesting. The feedback's been pretty good so far. There's a there's a subreddit about it already calling you guys out, saying the lines are already set and you're just bullshitting us for 30 <laughs> minutes, like pretending <laughs> that's not really? true. Is I, that, made, I made all I made all that up. Andy <laughs> Andy wrote the. Subreddit. I started that subreddit. No, it, <laughs> it, 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 it wasn't. Well, like, I'm not gonna like Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I don't get to catch them all the time, and for the most part, too. Like. I, I hate NBA. I don't make NBA numbers. I barely watch NBA. I will bet the playoffs and I love that. But like, I, I enjoy the NBA ones as much as somebody who could give a shit about the sport can. So when you did the, the opening tournament lines, like that was exciting for me. I said, this is great to the point where I was again, texting Mo to bug him the whole time when you guys were, when I was disagreeing with you and that, like that, that was a ton of fun, especially the part where, um, I was a little confused. You pulled a timeout, like you stopped in the middle of your show and said, Oh, you know, we got a bet. We got a bet. And I thought that meant that like you got double popped or like multiple maxes came in and you needed to make some adjustments. No, it was, you wanted to bet a line at a different yeah. book before you said it. Like you just stopped to make a bet. I did like uh most says we're going to have gaming in here tomorrow, but that's, <laughs> that's fine. just, yeah, as long as you, uh, Give your action to somebody else in town. That's fine. not like frowned upon, right? No, I mean, no, I feel I mean, like the best allowed. bookmakers are players, right? Yeah, and like in the important and the concept of the whole thing is you all like really seeing what's going on. And like, that's what I do. Like, I go through the numbers. I'll go game by game. When I see a number that I disagree with, I'll bet it wherever I can, you know, however much I want to. And then I'll put up what I think is a better number, you know, and that's that's not me doing anything wrong. I'm not manipulating. I'm literally trying to correct the market and putting up what I think is right. So um, I wanted people to see that. I said, I told Mo before the show, I go, if there's a chance for me to bet on air, I'm going to do it. And it was kind of funny. I think the game I bet like ended up flying and moving like three or four points. So that was, I was pretty cool. I was glad that I picked that game to do it, but. Instant, um, yeah. Instant, uh, instant market confirmation on that. Um, yeah, love that. Uh, my favorite of the NBA ones you guys do is when you, when you disagree. Like I like you're like okay I'm at four and a half you're at one and a half like we gotta let's let's reset <laughs> what you know what is going on why are we this far apart um, and those are always very interesting discussions because obviously like you know you keep a power number for teams that's where your starting point is but uh, you know depending on if you know are you looking at the last five are you looking at last fifteen are you looking at the whole season you know like that, that all that sort of stuff uh you know tends to play into uh you know what your current form number is going to be on any given team that tends to matter i'm curious as you looked across the ncaa market opening um are we at the time of the year where power numbers for these teams and or efficiency numbers that are feeding into projected lines and, and totals are we are, are is it like as efficient as it is in 
NBA playoff time? Or is there still some kind of adjusting from going from conference play to, uh, you know, mixing conferences that catches some, you know, some small edges can be found and that there are some, um, you know, some soft markets that open on this? I I don't think there's much of an edge once you get past the first. I mean, and you know, NCAA tournament is a different market than the conference tournaments. It's it's just completely different in when they open and who's open. But I, I don't think there's much of an edge past the first hour or two for NCAA tournament. You know, I think you're gonna. I, I think what typically happens is is people try to wait for the entire market to fill in. You know, all their outs are available. The guys who have money, the guys who make you know real bets, and then once that happens there's only a limited amount of time that that market's going to sit there at a bad number on some of those games. So, you know, conference tournaments, usually the games will open at like seven, eight AM Eastern time and everything will be whacked into place by noon Eastern time. Like you've got a few hours um, on that. And then the, but then with the NCAA tournament, you know, everybody's going to be in a rush to open every game as, as soon as they came for second round or sweet 16. So I yeah. mean, it might be like a, a 30, 45 minute window there where, you know, the limits are higher, like people are a little, you know, more willing to, you know, show their hand early because they can get down more. And uh, yeah, there might be, you know, quicker moves in those in those rounds. Okay, so you you just you kind of set me up for my next question here, which is because that was my operating assumption as well, that there's basically there's, there's an edge, but the window's small. And honestly, like, the fact that they'll take massive bets so early at some of the market makers, like that tells you that, right? Um, so what's the deal with like first wave of games is over on Thursday, second wave of games is about to start, and some of the sides and totals are steamed? Like, is that total not noise, or is there something someone who is waiting till till tip to get their action in that's somewhat informed? There might be. Honestly, I would not be surprised if there's a segment of people who are so sharp and have made so much in college basketball that they don't even bet until the NCAA tournament because uh, money's not worth it. Um, and they probably can't. I would imagine there's at least someone out there who doesn't even bother with any of it until he can bet, you know, X amount across the board everywhere an hour or so out. Um, there, there really are probably guys like that. Um, but I don't think um, – you're not going to see like the public's not going to trigger a huge move or anything, but there are going to be some games where if they keep creeping and, and it never really comes back. That means that the sharp guys don't disagree with the bet. So those are the games you, you really are nervous about. Like, you know, <laughs> not, not me. I'm going to steam chase the shit out of that. <laughs> squares are laying like 18 on Kentucky and 18 and a half. And it's going to 19 and like no one ever comes and takes 19. I, I'm thinking the cats are about to win my 30. So always um, Kentucky. Yeah, you're you're hanging the banner at that point. You're putting another. <laughs> hey, you hey, got rub, hey, rub not, right I'm, behind me here. Round yeah, two. Celebrating anything. Too soon. <laughs> um, no, and it, it, it just kind of leading back to that question. You know, you get the the market efficiency questions, okay. and obviously the NBA. When you get to the end of a season, you have so much information, not only from just what you've seen, but how the market's informed itself how the bets have informed the market for like nine months. How long's the goddamn season? seems like it's year round now, but with, with college basketball, it is so different once you hit this uh, tournament time, because you're, you're sitting on these weird matchups. Like, does that ever throw you guys for a loop when you're setting the lines? It's like, you know, it, it's the same game, but you know, uh, you've seen a team play sec ball for three months and they go play somebody from the horizon 
or something, you know, just the, the, the massive talent disparity that you don't see outside of, I mean, maybe just like college football in some of the early season games, college basketball, non-conference, but like in the NBA, that's just not a thing. I, I don't even know what the analog, like some, some Euro league team comes over and plays the, the nets tomorrow like trying to set a line on that with just completely different styles of play. So, I mean, is it, is it just as simple as, well, we're going to, we're going to put a good median price on this because what's, what's the big difference between this team being 20 and 22. It's a massive favorite. This is, it's tough to begin with. Yeah. You know, I just kind of don't make, I don't make any adjustments. I, you know, I don't exactly know how or where to adjust. So what I do is I just, you know, straight up type them out and then just have my raw number and then you kind of see where the market comes on Sunday night, selection Sunday. And every single uh, big favorite came three points high. And I don't know if that's a result of who opened, just, you know, shading all the public, all the favorites, thinking that, <laughs> thinking that you know, it's going to be all chalk. I don't know. That means my power ratings are inflating, you know, the conference champions from the small conferences, and I need to go in and adjust. So I'm going to wait until Thursday and, like, see – are those numbers going to come down? Are they going to stay there? Are they going to keep going? Are they going to move away from my number? And then I'll, I'll go in and make an adjustment then. But like, you know, I like the Vermont Arkansas game is the most fascinating tournament game I think I've ever had because Vermont just destroys everyone. And my power ratings through the roof for them right now because they, they crush everyone. So um, I have them like a pick them in that game. I know that's wrong, but like, it, you know, they're just, they're killing everybody. And so, um I'm like that's my biggest deal that's my biggest game it's going to be our big decision because uh I mean I got to trust my number to some degree you know when numbers five five and a half six or higher like you got to believe that you're, you're onto something if your number's that far off this time of year like I don't I don't have many games that close more than you know a point point and a half off my number in March so yeah and and that too just the you know like you said just trusting your numbers sticking with your own numbers and now I, I do want to dig in we talked a little off air about this I kind of want to find out now. I can't exactly remember who the first shop was up with some prices because you say that that shading towards these favorites, these these low seed or high or low seed, however you want to say it, the number one seeds. Because I talked to somebody the other day and they said, you know, they they uh, it was plus EV Drew. He had put some together some numbers. He tried to put together some sort of Bayesian model to figure out his probabilities for teams to win each round to make it to the finals. It was interesting. Mm-hmm because he doesn't know anything about basketball. It's just straight numbers. It was, it was pretty fun. And, you know, I, I, I sent him some numbers. I didn't have a lot of time. So I just grabbed a real public facing legal book and I sent him some prices for the, all the teams to make the final four. Okay. And he said, Holy Christ, I'm off on this. He's like, what are these numbers? He's like, you know, this, this team is this price and I'm, I'm off by like 40%. And I and then he pulled up like Circa or somebody else, and he's like, "All right, like I'm still off. I still think I have value on all the number one seeds to not make the final four, but these are a lot closer." He's like, and he said that he's like, "Are these books just kind of setting those prices because of the the clientele they have?" And I'm like, "Probably. Like if it's a real public shop and they're going to take real public action, like." who's going to bet the no on Gonzaga to make the final four? Like they're just, and it's a one-way market. So they can't, like, you know, they're just going it, to, it's, it's like, it's like Dylan said to me, you know, Dylan, Matt. Yeah. 
we're, we're I was asked Dylan about the Dodgers and the Giants and the decision on the on the NL West last year. I said, have you gotten any big tickets? Did you have any bad numbers from the beginning of the year on the Giants? And I don't think it was bad like the Superbook had some wild ones. But he said, yeah, like we have Giants liability, but it's gone now because I go and I set the Dodgers to win the NL West at whatever number I want. And then people walk in and they bet it. And then tomorrow people walk in and they bet it. And he's like, and you just build up, you build up a Dodgers, you know, the Dodgers number all over the course of just time like that. So I think they're fine. You know, some of these books just, they can set this price for Gonzaga or Arizona or whoever go to the final four. It doesn't matter if they set it at plus 150 or where it should be, maybe plus 250. If they're going to take the same action, it doesn't matter. So you wonder with some of those uh, early numbers on like high big favorites, the teams that everybody understands and knows, like it's just, it's got to be super shaded. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, I think they're, unless it's like a really, really bad number, really far off, I think like most of those have already come down. Like uh, Montana State was like a little, little further off than the other ones. Like Gonzaga was a little further off. And like those have already come. But I, yeah, I don't think they're going to get to my numbers. So I need to kind of make a decision of, you know, do I respect like their line of thinking and that, you know, that you should be shading these teams up or, um, you know, do I want to just completely ignore it and trust the numbers that I've gone with all year? And I don't necessarily know the answer, you know, the tournament. You serious? <laughs> tournament stuff. It's just way different. So I, I just kind of play it by ear. Like I'm not, I'm not set in stone, you know, and, and the problem is there's, it's such a small sample and you're going to forget in a year. Like that's the problem. If you don't go through, like the best thing I ever did uh, two years ago for college baseball was I made notes at the end of it because I said, I'm going to remember all this stuff. Um, and that's something I need to start doing because you, you really forget like how you need to shade things year to year when, um, you know, you're doing this stuff. Okay. In that vein, that's because liquidity, because, because these liquidity pools are big for college basketball sake, like, a lot bigger than just a random Tuesday night, you know, or Wednesday night in the middle of February. You're getting some bigger numbers tonight for sure. Um, are the liquidity draws sharp players? I get that. It probably also draws a lot of arbitrage players. Um, do you? I gotta know what that is. Yeah, my cat, cat is one attention. Wildcats, yeah, my cats yep. are going bananas right, right now. Sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, they, the, the, uh, they're wild tonight. The, uh, so, do you get a sense that the arbitrage, like any kind of steam, like the, like a middle, is that much more valuable in, you know, for a college basketball game? Like, like if you do see late steam, like the expectation, I guess, would be like even if a sharp player doesn't come and take that number, like somebody who anticipated the market moving in that direction has got a big position already at a, at the good number. And now is going to come back and try to capture like a two, three point middle. Like uh, I'm I, in that. And is that part of the math in terms of when there's no buyback, then you, you start to get a little bit concerned. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the stuff doesn't really move like it used to even a few years ago to where there are these like huge middle opportunities. And so um, it just, yeah, it doesn't really end up being, um, as much of a problem as you would think, like you'll most games and yeah, the moves are so valuable now that if a game moves like a point, point and a half, if you're on the betting side of it, it's really valuable. And like it, 
it's kind of hard to justify wanting to go back and play in middle when you when you get a game you play like three or uh, three and a half game goes to four and a half five like that is really strong in basketball season and to me like unless you s- intentionally overbet it to begin with which I'll do uh, you know I'll come and bet like two or three x at the open and then middle half of it back something like that unless you're doing that I wouldn't get too caught up in middling if you're getting good okay. numbers, I-, I would gamble that this time of year yeah it, it is especially this time of year, trusting those, those moves, those moves just feel right this time of year. Whereas like early in the season, you see some moves like big moves. And sometimes, you know, like it's in that non-conference schedule where there's some soft openers, you know, like the bet online soft opener comes up and that gets pushed three points. And you're like, all right, like that happens every single day of the year. Yeah. But then the real openers open in the morning and it gets pushed like two more points in the same direction. And then she's like, well, what the shit is like, what is going on? Like who has this much information on these two teams on November 15th or wherever. And then it just goes completely the opposite way. Like just never in doubt loser that moved extreme off that. You see that all the time. It feels like early in the season, but like this time of year, I, I I think I'm fully on with Matt there. Like I'm, I'm, I'm fine with having a good number. I've middled a few things in the past, but again, especially it's, it's, if it's smaller, you bet those soft openers and it's smaller money. Like you, you can end up with like seven point middles. Like why not have some fun? Why not have fun with that? Like have fun with that at, at the low limits. Like that's, that's a big ass middle, but these just like, I'm going to trust this, especially like the, the stuff you talk about where you're in the midst of like the tournament, whatever you call it, the day of the tournament on Thursday. And you see those big moves, like again, pre pre snap, said pre snap, like right before the tip though. But during the action where you didn't see it in the morning, you didn't see it the night before, it's like half hour before the game comes. I, I don't always tell that, but I don't ever go against it. So can I ask a specific question about, like, let's say Loyola Chicago. As a, that team's going to catch a little bit of public interest just because it's a team that's made runs in the past and they obviously you know, they win their, um, they win their conference in impressive fashion. Um, do you build in shade on a side like that where you're expecting to get a little bit of lopsided action? And I guess, was that even a good example or were there others, other, uh, kind of, uh, public dogs where you really do think, oh no, we need to, uh, we need to be fat on this one. I don't think I've ever, I can't think of a time. I don't want to say never, but like, I can't think of a time where I've said we should shade this because the public's going to be on it. Like, I just think. If that is, I think that you've gone wrong somewhere in your like training or teaching or learning <laughs> as, a, as a bookmaker, if that's your thought process, because that's not what you want to do. You want to take all the dumb money you can at market numbers. And then when you get the sharp money, that's when you want to go out of market and try to manage it. Like, ah, you, okay. You, you know, I don't want to, you know, go and hang 25 when everybody's gonna be at 24 and welcome all this sharp money. You know, to me, like every dollar that you write that's sharp when you shade a number is that's kind of a determination of how good or bad you're doing. You know, like we would look at the arbitrage guys and say, like, that's how good we're doing is is how they're doing, because when they're only betting when we're shading or when we're off, you know. And so that's always a really good indicator uh, of, okay, you know, how you want to do it. There. And, that makes and sense. it's funny, too, the real public dog that everyone can't shut up about 
is the one that Matt loves the most in my jackrabbits. Is that the, oh, that was the jackrabbits? jackrabbits? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, just it's it's hard to judge. Like I, I'm not looking at you know actual betting numbers and seeing what how many people have gotten on, and I don't trust that shit anyway. But yeah. Uh, I mean, it's the I one people couldn't shut up about on Sunday night. Like the whole right. world was just running to bet the Jacks, and and then you did your show, and you're like, ah, this, I like this one too. I, I think you had him as a, I think you had that as a flip favorite. But what are you going to do? Open well, open them as a two point favorite? Have fun with that. I mean, that's that one's another. You're talking about the uh, South Dakota State. Yeah, South yeah, Dakota State, like, Providence. Yeah, that one's really fascinating because that's a. I had like. I mean, yeah, one and a half the other way. That's a huge difference, really. Like, I mean, I know it's going through zero, but um, – and you could argue that is almost entirely based on just the fact that, like, a 4C can't be a dog to a 13C because it's probably – that, like, might have some historical type, you know, like, value baked into it. I don't know. That's a really interesting game. I'm curious to see, like, if it goes to three or does it come towards my number? Like, again, like, I'm going to have to figure out how to adjust based on what happens in that game and the Vermont game. What's what's your money line on one and a half? We usually just use like minus a quarter for the favorite plus oh five. So that's probably where we're at. It might be like plus one two. We might be at two right now. But okay. one interesting thing. So like I'm going on, I'm going on all these shows, like talking all this stuff, but like <laughs> you can't as a bookmaker in March, like you just gotta kind of just stay at market and let the money and the the customers, you just kind of let the wind blow and like see where it takes you. Like you can't like get super, in the way. It's like super Bowl. Yeah. yeah, you can't get in your own way too much. Just put up a market number, let them bet, and the decisions are going to be the decisions. Like, you don't want to go into your boss and say, hey, everyone else had a great week, but I love these three games and they all lost, so we got crushed. Like, yeah. that can't happen. So you have to – Monday meetings are less fun that, that way. That is – that well, was, And even that, that, that jackrabbit, you see, that. you're going through zero. It's yeah. still, if you're minus a quarter, that's 55%, and then you go yeah. the other way. So, I mean, it's, it's a 10-point or 10% swing. It's – it's still a even through zero. That's a big move. Yeah, and yeah, you it'd be it'd be fun to just slap it on the table once in a while. But and at the same time, that, that at the same time, if that happened in tennis, no one would blink. There are tennis matches that are missed, way more than that. And that's one person versus one person, as opposed to a team of eight or nine guys who are getting minutes. Do you remember the tennis guy we talked to out in Vegas in September, Drew? Yeah, yeah. I won't. I won't even say who he works for. But we talked to somebody yeah. who manages tennis, and I'm like, "How do you? How do you manage your risk for tennis? Or like, how do you set your lines?" He's like, "Oh, the pinnacle." <laughs> he didn't, didn't even bat an eyelash. He pinnacle, just said, yeah. "Yeah, we just use pinnacles now." Um, okay, so were there any games this time where you were expecting balanced action, and you woke up after you know a full 24 hour cycle, and you had like a 90 10 split? I'm trying to think. Um... You know, the thing is, like, it's it's kind of a bummer when you we like if you ask me this on Thursday, like tomorrow, I would have a, a better answer for you. But like nobody bets Monday through Wednesday, you know, except you've got, for people who know what they're doing, probably except for like, yeah, <laughs> those like us. who Yeah, like almost every bet you're going to see like Monday through Wednesday is going to be one hundred dollars or more. It's, you know, people either like picking off, you know, you're maybe the only number on a total or a side. Um, so like I could tell you that number, but it wouldn't even be an accurate reflection of what the public thinks. I'm not going to really know that until, you know, maybe like midnight tonight or like, you know, early, you know, tomorrow morning. So it's, yeah, when when you get to game time, how, how lopsided is this? Let's say like your total handle on the, what is the first game off tomorrow? It's the one with, it's the Colorado state one, right? Okay. 
I mean, it's kind of a bad example because especially the the West Coast, man, you see, how many people miss that game and get shut out when they wake up in Vegas? I've yeah, I've missed betting that game like every year. And you I have to bet that one the night before. Runs, that, that first game in, on Thursday every year. <laughs> like the yeah, second people are standing one at, in line waiting yeah, for that. The but, second game at that venue is probably the the one you want to circle because that's like everybody's been waiting for the new games to tip off after the first wave starts. Yeah. And that one's gonna be what's the second game at that Well, no, venue? but like just uh, any any game, let's just say your your median game of on a on a Thursday, like what percentage of that total handle is coming after midnight tonight? Like compared to what you've taken from Sunday through Wednesday and that Thursday, like, is it, is that like a 95, five kind of splitter? Yeah. It's like over 80%. I was going to say like probably 90%. It's, you know, the, uh, and that's one thing that's tougher and it's kind of like a disconnect from the book and the content side is like the content. They want the interesting nuggets about bets throughout the week whether it's football or, you know, in basketball early on, like you don't get anything good until, you know, a few hours out. And then you're so busy that you don't even have time to talk to anyone in the media and give them any of that content. So like, it's really tough. Like, but I will say that like, yeah, these games are, they're going to have crazy splits. Like in the games that where if we like the dog, it'll be like, yeah, 90% on the favorite, something like that. You know, it's not that uncommon. We don't, We'll take a few, you know, bigger bets on on the side, the sharper side. But like, is but is I mean, isn't that uh, again? It, it might be even let's say eighty twenty. Isn't this twenty percent money? Even if it's people that are just cleaning up bad numbers or off market. No, nah, I don't call. Them, I said bad numbers when they're yours. Bad numbers according to them. But even if it's just board cleaners and people playing back on stuff they bet elsewhere, maybe. But like, isn't that 20% of the money a lot more informative than the 80 that you're going to get tomorrow? Yeah, it is. But like, you know, you're a lot of times you're booking a like two way action early on because you don't unless we've like, you know, specifically discussed a game and said, okay, I want you to take X amount on this side before you move it. Most of the time, your overnight guys are just trying to balance and they'll take a bet, just move the number. They take a bet, they'll go back, you know, so we don't necessarily, unless it's intentional, we don't, or there's like a big move. We don't establish really big positions early in the week. There's just not like, I know we need Arkansas right now, but like one bet from a VIP or like, you know, one big move could be enough to like flip us on that game. So it's, it's, yeah, it's all like relatively low scale early on. Okay. You're you're pretty balanced until the big wave comes and then who God knows what's coming no like no no it. not god unless knows what's you, coming no, unless, every unless bet we like write is plus ev for us that's well, right the, that's that's the mindset i think so but and like you said I, you know god knows what's coming on some of these but if you like the dog lindy knows what's coming already like you know where you're taking your money yeah yeah no um i i think but either way like this year based on at least what my numbers show like we're we're probably gonna be rooting for all the dogs even with all of them opening as high as they did so i'm hoping that the sharp guys agree with my numbers on this stuff okay let me run through a quick couple quick hits so true or false booking college because because so the way you're explaining this i feel like on a random college basketball saturday um college basketball is an easy game to, to book because you're getting most of your action in the in the power five markets where there's lots of information known and you're getting a day of and your mark your 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 market's already efficient and so you're just basically sitting back and enjoying the 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 spoils of being a bookmaker 
No, it's awful. College basketball is <laughs> horrible. Like it's nice in March. It's not bad this time. And you know, like people ask if this is your busiest week of the year. Like conference tournaments, the busiest week of the year. And like every single Saturday is worse than any of these NCAA tournament days. So like, th- yeah, this time of year you kind of get to like kick back. And and I'll say that for March, but like. Man, you start talking about November college basketball. That is the wild, wild west. That is like, oh sure, the. I mean, that is going to test your chops as a bookmaker more than anything else. So, like, um, yeah, it's it's easy now, but yeah, it's not like that on a Saturday. Okay, okay. So, so Saturday is true. True. You know what the worst part about a hundred fifty games on a Saturday? Well, no, the worst part about one hundred and fifty Saturday games. There's 150 second halves. That was oh, you jumped my, <laughs> jumped my question. So that was what I was yeah, gonna because I was trying to paint a picture that like it works out sort of in your favor because your action is sort of lopsided on the games you know the most about and the market's most efficient pregame. And I mean, is it? But I imagine the second half is uh, is freaking. That's like where the sharks are in the water, and you're you're trying to get a good number out. You're in the water. <laughs> you're out there just, in the second well, half. I mean, how many right? games can so. go to halftime at like the same time? Sometimes it's a dozen. So this is the biggest difference from uh, working at a Vegas book and at WinBet is we have a feed provider, but we have the option of any game, sport, market, anything we want, we can put on a line feed, and it'll move automatically based on their consensus line feed or we can take it off the feed and manage it ourselves. So the way it works at WinBet is we focus our attention, uh, you know, manually trading like the main markets for football, basketball. So we don't even do first half and second half because it's too much. It's too time consuming to keep up with all of it. So these poor guys that work in Vegas, they have to put up every second half manually for these college basketball games. Like I know Westgate does everyone circa does almost all of them. And like it, it really is like a total time suck. And it's all sharp guys. You got to be paying attention. Like the moves are strong. They're quick. Like uh, it's the one thing. Like I'm so so grateful for this feed and just having those games on that feed and not having to deal with it because it's really hard. And you're not making any money at it. You're just like praying to break even, honestly. So uh, yeah, I don't miss out at all. Is the same well, story. And there's for overlap with college time, second half. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that I mean, that's that's one of those things like if like November betting two H's in college football and college basketball, that's that's where it's at right there. There's just so much going on, like impossible to keep up with everything. Okay, but in tournament for tournament time, second half market as sharp as it as it is during the regular season or there's more opportunities? Um, You know, yeah, it's it's sharper. I don't know. It's better if you're it's probably better than regular season just because everyone's going to be up. And if there is a big move, you're going to have a little bit of an easier time maybe getting down on it than like, you know, an added game or extra game. There'll be like two places up, you know, in the regular season. So, I mean, there's a better market for it, but yeah, I don't know. I think that is, that's probably one thing though. If you see like a really strong move on like a second half total, that's probably the right side. You're, it's pretty rare that, you know, those move the wrong way. I don't know if you guys have plans or if you've what you've done in the past or if you can even answer this question and tell me, but like obviously 150 games in like late December on a Saturday when you're trying to get ready for football and you have bowl games and you have the NFL, that line service is probably pretty nice. Are you guys going to manually manage all the second halves in, in like uh, the tournament time here? Or are you going to rely on that part of the time? Uh, like what what's the better move for you? My understanding is that it screws up the system if we like take them off the feed once the game starts. So yeah, we're just not even going to mess with it. Like it, it, you know, we have a pretty extensive 
in running product that runs and there's a ton of stuff offered throughout the game. So basically we flip it over to that and it's in their hands the rest of the way. So yeah, we probably won't jump in and like manually manage a second half markets or anything. And really like, you know, it's not a matter of being lazy. It's just like kind of trying to pick where we want to, there's so much ground to cover right now with these like new products, these new States. Like we just got to pick our battles and second halves is just never a market that's really worth, you know, devoting a lot of time or attention. Yeah. Nope. That makes sense. Um, how about, uh, kind of away from the bookmaking side macro looking at the state of college basketball this year, a layman might say, this is a great year. A lot of big names. Everybody's got a nice big, you know, nice high seed among like the blue blood programs. Like this is going to be a great tournament. Um, but, uh, is it, is that fair or true or is there a lot of, um, uh, you know, maybe kind of unfair or tilted perception of some of these squads just because of name only. Yeah, I think um, you you think so. You're asking if you think the big bloods are are legit or um, basically, yeah. yeah. Is this going to be a chaotic tournament or are we? Oh, okay, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, this kind of goes back to like my favorite prop that I, again I didn't put it up, but. Uh, over under some of the final four seeds. Like I love that every year. Oh, great right? Is it going to be chaos or is it going to be all chalk? Great. Um, this year's interesting. I think the ones are pretty weak. I think the one seeds are weak. I think the two seeds and three seeds are good. Um, but it's just tough. It seems like every year I try to predict this and it ends up being like two ones, a two, and then an eight. Or you, you know, like a, a two, a one, two, three, and a 10. Like there's just always that region of chaos. So I'm kind of curious to see which one. I think the Gonzaga region could maybe be the region of chaos. Oh, okay. I was going to say, can you give me a a four-way market on uh, which region is the region of chaos? You think the West? Yeah, Gonzaga. I don't know. That Kansas-Auburn one's like pretty pretty weak as well. So I feel like that could be one where there are a lot of upsets and you just see something crazy. But uh, that's a a fun market. The longest shot to be the region of chaos would be yeah, the you zone, do longest zone bracket, longest right? shot at that shortest, zone's like, bracket shortest. looks like the region of death to me. Yeah, yeah, I man, I'm nervous about zone. I got the I got a future on them. I'm nervous about the the injury to the Kerr guy. Yeah. He's got like a sprain, like severely sprained ankle. So um, I don't know. Losing your point guard right before the tournament kind of no. makes me sweat. Yeah, especially going there, against the mighty right state. There's some sneaky teams. How did Reich? How did Reich state get 16, Andy? You're a mid major guy. Six the horizon, feels, the horizon is, league. Horizon is it that league. bad? No, it's because of the they, it's because of the Dayton. They were putting them in the first four no matter what yeah. if they made a turn. I mean that okay. the horizon league is just a half step above the Southland right now, man. It's not it's good. Rough. Like I don't it's, know. It's it, it really took a step down. Like a few years ago, the Horizon League was I mean, they weren't in the middle of the pack, but they were they weren't bottom five like this. It it was okay. a rough league this year. So, so you didn't you didn't balk at Wright State sixteen. No, okay. I'll have to go check my preview. I I, 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 I did like a I did like a triple take because I went through my whole bracket and I was like I didn't see Wright State. I was like, did they like get suspended and they're like not in this or something? And then I was like, they're the play in sixteen. What? That happened. That happened to me today. I put I put a Merrimack bet in. And uh, oh, yeah. I went to check on that later, and that came and disappeared. <laughs> did you see Jeff Davis's uh, tweet about that? No, what what did he say? He, he just said, 
the board is lighting up on Merrimack, uh, dot, dot, dot. The game has been canceled for 12 hours. It was just incredible. <laughs> like, and that's, and I'll tell you, like, I would do some shit like that. Like, I would bet into a game that's not even being played just because my numbers <laughs> agree with it and it's on the board, you know? Okay. Yeah, I'm not, so, the game might have been canceled at the point. I bet it. I'm not even sure what time they called it, but it was still on the board. And I liked the <laughs> plus six and a half, so I took it. That's funny. I probably bet on a game that wasn't even happening. Okay. So what's oh, so just to, just off the cuff, you've been watching college basketball for a long time. What's like kind of the you know some of the more memorable tournaments in years past? You know, it's it's bittersweet to say, but like the most memorable tournament for me was the year that Kentucky was at eight seed and lost in the finals to UConn because that, that was, was wild. the yeah. most mad, like just incredible run. And it was like a reversal of like kind of a role reversal for Kentucky, like being the dog. And, you know, those, those like poor freshmen had such a horrible regular season. Like that was so much fun. Um, you know, like the, the year Kentucky won it all was, was stressful. That wasn't even like really enjoyable. It was just a relief. <laughs> and, uh, Andy, what about you? The Anthony Davis here was stressful. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't I'm fun sure. at all. It was like, that, please just win finally. You were, that one, you were stressed about that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I just need to get I, it. I feel like I feel like heading into the Sweet Sixteen, they were like, oh, they were minus two hundred. <laughs> I mean, what were they? They were. It was a big number on them to win. Yeah, that field was really weak that year, and they were just. It was bad. Yeah, that was I was trying to think. Still yeah, I'm trying to think of what year. I'm pulling this up to, and Lindemann. He look. I mean, he looks like he's a. You know, he's a 50-year-old Italian guy from the East Coast, but he's not that old. He's, he is he is much oh, younger than him. Yeah. But I, so I don't know if you remember the 96 team that lost to Arizona in the finals. Yeah, I cried like a baby that night. They were like, they were the reigning champs, right? Yeah. I, I cried the game before because that's the one year that my gophers were ever good. Like uh, good enough. Oh, and they, yeah. they made that run. I think they got a two seed or maybe a three seed and Minnesota ripped through that turn and like they were they were looking really good and then that Kentucky game happened and I don't I don't think it was terribly close there was a overtime game somewhere along the line but man they took down UCLA and it was this was our year and as a Minnesota sports fan I didn't have much to celebrate it had been a while (laughs) we had you know I barely remembered the World Series so like that was I so I have I don't even know why I did, I did this to be nice for you. I put Rupp behind me, but oh, I'm kind of mad at Kentucky. Yeah, I, I can remember the newspaper, Lindy. The next day, it just said Kentucky Fried. That mm. was our our Pioneer Press in the morning. Or Star Trib, like Minnesota was the one seed, Andy. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I think we we're third overall. That, it might have been third. They, yeah, they, yeah, they didn't really sweat uh, yeah. until uh, actually wait. Clem one Haskins, of those games won that is, Who was oh, that? Yeah, yeah, that was a Clem Haskins here. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, you want to talk about like having, oh, we got a cat in the background. Uh, yeah. You want to talk about like having a distorted sense of reality. You know, be a Kentucky fan as an eight-year-old from 96 to 98. You win that, you play a national title game three straight years. Like I've still, my expectations are outrageous uh, ever since that happened. So yeah, we had a little, Drew, you'd know him because NBA, we had a little point guard that used to pull his socks clear up to his knees not sure if you could uh, pick him out of a lineup. Played the um, NBA. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Point guard. I think uh, he ran the point. He was definitely. Yeah, he was little. Huh. Man, I'm drawing a blank. I remember. 
uh, I remember a lot of the Arizona teams, and I remember a lot of those Kentucky teams from the nineties. But I don't. Minnesota remember didn't Minnesota have a lot team. of memorable. I think Sam Jacobson maybe played a little in the league, but we didn't send a lot of guys to the league. Bobby Who's the Jackson. guy? Bobby, Bobby Jackson. Jackson. Remember that? I do. Socks yeah. up to his damn shorts. I do remember him. He he had a nice long career. He played yeah, Minnesota, he was, Sacramento. So he was Memphis. one of my childhood heroes. Because oh, I'm cool. watching, like, see, and that's that was like pre-KG, so the Timberwolves stunk. I mean, he was there, but he was still the skinniest person ever and wasn't that good yet. So like, so was that your was that your most memorable tournament the, that year, Andy? I mean, I've had a lot of funner ones in Vegas, obviously, yeah, since. But like, have you hit a, as, have you as, hit a future? Uh, Virginia when they won. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've won a few Duke futures. That's the only I thing ever. I tend to just bet Duke when I was, you know, Gross. didn't really know what I was doing Gross. and they didn't do, didn't know any better. Just would bet them every year. Um, they won a couple that, times. That um, was like one of our first podcasts, Drew, when we we talked about like our sports betting arcs, and you're like, oh, yeah. well, I was a Patriots fan and a Duke yeah. fan, so and I started I betting in 2001. Really so I was just like, wow, this is like this is an easy game, <laughs> easy game. All I did bet UNC the year with. Um, uh, with the, that core three who underwhelmed for three straight years and then finally as seniors they won the against Arizona. Or 18, one of those. Yeah. Oh, they beat Illinois that year. That was, that was actually my, my favorite tournament. They beat Illinois in the title game. Illinois beat Arizona in maybe the most memorable Sweet 16 game that I ever watched. That, that was, was the like, West Virginia, the Gan something. I can't remember. They made the crazy run, the West Virginia yeah. team, and they came yeah. out. It's Noggle, is that his name? No, I don't know. That might have been a little later, but yeah, no, that, no, that, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess, I guess, is there any hope that this year's tournament comes close to any of these from years past? I don't see why not. What's your, what, what, what what's your expectation, Andy? Five out of 10? Don't, don't, you, and here again, you can't take anything away from cheering your home team on. Like, I, sports, sports fandom in me is dead. It's gone. It is six feet under 10 years ago. I don't, cheer for any of my teams anymore it's gone with sports betting i don't i don't know if i ever want it back because it's it takes a toll on you it's just like that um you know how they say a, a a big win is the amount of joy you get from a big win is about half of the amount of pain that you get from a big loss like that's true in fandom it takes a toll on you so like legitimately i've had fun tournaments where i've cheered on my team I can remember a long time ago when the Gophers got in. We're watching the selection show, and maybe some of the younger people won't quite understand what's going on here when I say we didn't really have the internet yet. I mean, it existed, but it was so slow, and you didn't think to use it for stuff like this. And the Gophers got in against Gonzaga, but this wasn't Gonzaga yet. Like, nobody really knew what it was. This was a yeah. shitty team. They were the lower seed in this point. This was like Dan Monson's Gonzaga. And we had to like look up in a encyclopedia what, where the school what state, was. What state yeah. is Gonzaga? Yeah, like yeah. we didn't even know what it was. It was wild, and yeah. I think they. I assumed it was in D Washington D.C., but it's Washington State. Yeah. Yes, and and I I do think they ended up winning that game, but um, honestly, all my favorite tournament memories are in Las Vegas, like big wins, wild endings, like the uh, uh, the half court shot with the mm -hmm. the Northern Iowa game. I was at Binion's playing blackjack mm -hmm. and that pit just about fell apart. Like the, the well, Texas A&M ending. I was at the gold. Well, so let me ask you. So I had, all those are, oh, yeah, those are excellent. so I, I had no, a fan affinity. I think I had a little bit of exposure to UVA when they finally, when they finally got it done. That was one of the most memorable tournaments of the recent years. That was well, so, every, so, every so, game so they played. Was every so game fun. was yeah. so, so, so good. 
if Gonzaga has a similar arc this year and finally wins, as like a longtime college basketball fan, are you going to have a little bit of a, oh, cool. Yeah, no, I, I think I will. Mark not, Hughes, not Matt. Mark you're, Hughes, uh, Hughes yeah. you're ready for Kentucky to beat them by 20 no, I, in the Final Four. I've like <laughs> I've been outspoken about thinking this Zags team isn't the one that can do it. So I mean, I know that's not like that bold to say after they didn't do it last year, but if I don't know, if any team can turn around, I know Virginia did it the year after losing to UMBC, but like there's no way the Zags are winning six games. There's no way. Like <laughs> you watch a team against Alabama and Duke. It's not happening. I mean, they got smoked by St. Mary's at home. It wasn't even competitive. Like, I don't – this is, like, literally just a, people saying, oh, it's Gonzaga, and they've only lost three games, so they're number one. Like, they're not number one. I don't know. I know they look great against so, the brand. So, but like, uh, your, your power ratings have them where? Oh, yeah, they're, like, nine points ahead of everybody in my power ratings. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm that's telling you, <laughs> my, my, my power ratings are, It's still hard to win six games. I have it's to use them to work. Yeah. Like, I cannot just shade Gonzaga down five points. Yeah. Again. But like, I kinda, and I, I kind of cheer for Gonzaga a little, too, because they end up every year getting some Minnesota kid to play for them. Like, they had yeah, – yeah, Suggs last year was from up here, and then – um, this the, again, talk about skinny ass kids. When I was talking about KG, this uh Chet, he's about 130 pounds, but he's he played up for Minnehaha here, so so a local kid makes good, goes and gets yeah. there. And I guess maybe, maybe I don't want to cheer for old uh drinking and driving Mark Few anymore, but it would be nice for the program Ooh. to just get one. okay. Well, let's since we got you as an as an originator of actual markets for college basketball, let's talk about Gonzaga's path. Because I did not think, I thought last year the tournament really, really was like, okay, you guys did a, you had a great regular season. We are going to give you a super soft region. Mm -hmm. Like basically, bye, 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 bye. Whoever comes out of Michigan's bracket, you'll beat them. That was ended up being close, and I think to that was a little bit of a detriment to that team. Like they would have been a little bit better off to kind of have a couple of close calls, a couple of um, you know, kind of you know, iron sharpens irons kind of moments. This year, I think Gonzaga got a very challenging West Regional. You mentioned it off the top. You could see this being somewhat chaotic, um, and I, you know, I, I, if you had to guess, uh, let's put some, let's put chalk through here. Uh, Gonzaga is how many points favored over Boise State? Let me hear. Just let me pull it up for you. Uh, Andy, what do you got for that one? Those are two. Those are two Mountain West teams. Those you're, oh. you're two two West Coast teams. What uh? What what do you? You're I all over. It. I was West checking the score year. to the. I was checking the score to the Bryant game there. Gonzaga minus what against Boise State? I'm gonna just do Memphis. Gonzaga. Nine. Nine. Memphis. Oh, you're putting Memphis through. Oh wow. Yeah, I'm putting oh, them Bronco shade. Uh, My goodness. Mountain West well, overrated. I, I don't know. Just off the top. What would you make that? Matt Memphis. 11? It's going to load here in about four minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. 13.3 for Gonzaga. 13. Yeah, but wow. see, so this is the time of year where, like, my numbers on Zags will start to be too high because okay. I've got them inflated from West Coast. So I'll actually – like my number was too high for all their games, like through the sweet 16 on last year, because you kind of have to shade them down for actually playing like, you know, a little, you know, more competitive athletic team. But Okay. Uh, there, and there are people arguing about that right now. And it, it bothers me. And I, I want to hear your take on this because I know you, you know, you keep your power numbers for a reason throughout the season, but people say like, look, St. Mary's and San Francisco are good. Now there's, it's a better conference. It's like, 
Yeah, the rest of the conference still sucks shit. And that's only four <laughs> games. I mean, they you know, you're going to beat the ever-living tar out of Marymount and some of these other teams. Like, it, it still is just four games. It's like adding, you know, like St. Mary's has always been decent. You've always had that secondary team. S- San Francisco being a good team is like adding one and a half semi-tough non-conference games. It's not a big change to their overall rating, I don't think. So, I mean, it's still just Gonzaga beating up on a, a bad conference, really. Okay, so what about yeah, – I mean, uh, Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I mean, like, they're the same – they play the same style. They're poor man Zags. Like, they're not – you know, if Rick Stansberry moved to the West Coast Conference and recruited his players, like, that would be an interesting comparison because that's the style that Zags don't see every day. And, like, when they go play Alabama and they get destroyed, like, how am I supposed to believe – they can play five, six straight athletic teams, really talented teams that are playing their best basketball of the year and, and get through that unscathed. I don't I don't know. I don't see it. But. <sighs> There's not really anyone in the top half of their bracket that is playing the best basketball this year. Uh, in fact, you think the four seed may go down in round one to the Catamounts. Um, but let's just say for the sake of arguments that uh, Arkansas does make it through to the Sweet 16. How many points they catch against Gonzaga? Oh my God! Fourteen. 13. Arkansas. 13. Arkansas is fourteen point dogs. Well, it's let's keep Port- in mind it's in, Port- my, it's in Portland, right? So, hold on a second here. So yeah, my my oh, Arkansas Francisco. number is too low. I think we could agree on that because I said I had him a pick against Vermont, and I got him the same rating as Memphis right now, pretty much. So they'd probably be a little bit lower. Probably be like eleven. But Love yeah, it. they're just they're giant favorites over all these teams. Similar ballpark for for UConn. Um, that might be closer. Yeah, ten. No. Yeah, same deal. Double like digits. 15. Okay, okay. Uh, how about uh, in the Elite Eight matchup against the likes of a Duke? Not that they're going to get there because Duke's you, not you, that good. This year. I misspoke. That's not how you nine and a half. Yeah, I mean nine and a half. And you can really argue like where do where do they belong? Like should it be? What did yeah, that market they're, close? They're early five, in the season. six points ahead of everyone else, but um, it's it's you, gonna yeah that gap's gonna close. Like my number, I'll probably have to make an adjustment. That's just what I have right now. But um, Andy, do you remember what Duke is at closed at back in uh, December? Was it December? I know who I won remember. the game. I think it was like Duke won by three. Yeah, it's like seven. Gonzaga was like seven or something. It was seven. Like okay, yeah. and that was neutral, right? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, it could be. I you think could, it was like it was so in Seattle. Gonzaga right? might be. So we're talking about Gonzaga could realistically. I mean, is there anyone else in the entire West who would be inside double digits? Texas Tech. Uh, they get pretty deep, decent market respect because of the low total. That defense no, is basically the same as Duke. Um, I'd make it an eight and a half. Yeah, hmm. it's gonna be. They're gonna be through the roof. I wonder what's that like what's the region price right now? It's gotta be minus two fifty ish. Yeah, that's crazy. See, we did uh <laughs> we did I mean, no, it's probably accurate, but like we did final four all year and I had Gonzaga, I just made him even money all year and no one bet it. Like we crush on Gonzaga to the final four because who wants to bet like an even money future? Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, right. so kind of funny to hear that like the like that number was terrible. It was lucky that like no one came in and bounced that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. I had to go check the Duke. Yeah, the Duke game was the the Maui Invitational, which was of course in 
Las Vegas. The yeah. Alabama game. The Alabama game was weird. I was gonna make a joke about that, but you beat. Yeah, me the too. Alabama one was the one they played. It was in Washington, so like across town or something stupid. It was quote unquote neutral, but it really wasn't. And Alabama was a lot better than that. That, that kind of leads me to a quick question here for Matt, because somebody else asked me this the other day. Do you do you do anything with home court just based on like? Yeah, and I get like Gonzaga versus you know Joe Bag of Garbage, whoever they get in the first round, it, it might not make a hill of beans difference in a massive spread like that. But some of these teams, like again, the Providence and UConn playing so close to home against some of these teams that are gonna come from way out west or in the Midwest, like they're gonna have a bigger fan base there. It's not their court, but you still have your home crowd, and we know that that can affect the whistle a little. So, I mean, is there any adjustment for that at all based on you know the the regions where these games are taking place? I think, it, you know, maybe a little bit, but I don't think it's as significant as you would think. Like, I don't think you can give Vermont a bunch of home court when you've got Musselman basically using it as like a tactic to piss off his team. Like, you just shipped us to play Vermont in their backyard. We're a four seed. We're only a small favorite. Like, there are some situations where it might not actually even be a benefit. Um, And Yeah, but, like, I think the best example of if home court matters at all is probably going to be this this Indiana-St. Mary's game because – You've got Indiana flying from Dayton out to uh, what is it? Oh, Portland, yeah. I think they're playing. Portland, in. yeah. It's super good. close for St. Mary's. And like, if there's a situation where home court matters, that's probably it. So, like, if that game goes to like four, then you know that home court, or at least the people that really set the market value home court, if it stays at like two and a half, then okay. they don't really care. But, I'll say that the trip east to west, not, 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 not as big a deal. Not um, as bad, yeah. Not as big. If you was going, if you were playing in Portland and then you got to turn around and play in Dayton next, you might you might be scrambled. Um, the uh, okay, so let's say talk, staying on this home court angle, let's say that you let's say that Gonzaga makes it to the Final Four and they face oh I don't know uh, the Kentucky Wildcats in their part of the country down in New Orleans. What kind of number are we going to see between Kentucky right, and Gonzaga? Gonzaga. Kentucky. Um... <laughs> This is a fan question, by the way, from Papa Kels. I mean, yeah, like my numbers have nine, but I know that's just not right. Nine? Yeah, that's for Kentucky I'm Gonzaga. That's what I'm saying. Like my number nine. is for Gonzaga. Like, okay. um, it would probably be like six and a half, seven. I would think. Yeah, Andy said okay. six, right? I said seven. Okay, yeah. and, and, and you know, some of it is going to depend on the extenuating circumstances of the games that precede it, like. There's oh, gonna be course. things oh, that happen yeah, to yeah. drive that, but like right now, yeah, you're probably maybe maybe I'm even a little high at seven. Yeah, if maybe Gonzaga if like Gonzaga three. doesn't cover four straight double digit spreads on the way to Kentucky, who has won every game by twenty, it's gonna be like a three or four point game, surely. Um, what is is Kentucky, in your unbiased opinion, the type of team that would give Gonzaga a problem? Before I before we talk about this, I want to say thank you for giving me something to look into on the travel for NBA. Uh, oh yeah, East, surely. West, and West East. I have to surely. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought of that, but no. Um, yeah, I think I think Kentucky could take Gonzaga. I mean, I'm down on them. I like I like to make up a Kentucky, but uh, I might be a little biased. So, um, okay. what do you think, yeah. Andy? Is that there's, the, is there's... like 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 if yeah. you're if you are uh, one future only Zaga? Superstan, who are you afraid of on that side of the bracket? 
I got now you make I just closed the bracket for some reason because I'm an idiot. Um, we're doing, a, we're doing on, on that side of the are, are, so you're saying a final four matchup, or are you saying in their region? On any anyone before the final. Uh, that man, would scare I, I do I do think like a lot has been made of like, oh man, everybody right after that came out, like that tough region. The thing about a tough region is you're literally the, it is very static on the amount of teams you'll play from that region. That does not change. True. You will only play so many games yeah. and you cannot play all those teams. And there could be an upset. Although the upset last year didn't really help them. UCLA was tough. No, they didn't have to play Iowa. Did they? Cause Iowa was their two seed, which is why I felt like that was such a soft, soft draw last year. The USC ended up being USC ended, ended up being very good. Yeah, USC, right. Yeah, yeah. USC's length yeah. inside and like that was the best on defense was nuts. Yeah. That was I a that, that was too. a very scary team. Yeah, Gonzaga. They they said oh it was a cakewalk draw, but like UC, USC and UCLA really tough outs. Really and tough, yeah. I I mean they were just worn down once they got to Baylor and Baylor was so good. But and this year again looking at their region, I'm not as scared of those teams. I think they make it through their region. I'd be much more worried against uh, again Purdue. I'm not going to say Purdue. That's a that's a laugh. But you know a, a Baylor, or Kentucky. Those are teams that can compete with them. Most of my most of my teams that I do like to win it all are on the in the South and the Midwest. I guess to be fair, though. So it sounds it sounds like you guys are against Gonzaga in theory, in but theory. there may not be there may not be a smoking gun here. Yeah, we got to wait till like, the finals. Really, it's so yeah, so it's it's almost like this is a tennis tournament and you're sitting back and you're like, Well, she can't win a slam because she chokes at the later stages. And I don't know who it will be against, but eventually she will choke in this tennis tournament. Like that's sort of the that's sort of the spirit that I'm getting out of this. Is that yeah, fair? you'd have to better or know. It, like there's not a team I would okay. if you asked me to take a future on a specific team outside of Gonzaga, said take one in the West to win the region. Yeah, and then take one in the East to reach the final. I would much, much rather just bet the no to make the final in Gonzaga okay. because I, I can't, I can't zero. And I mean, there's a couple teams. Obviously, you pick the higher seeds and the the Dukes, the Kentuckys. Those teams could hang with them. Duke obviously has already, but I'm not confident enough in one of those teams. I'd much rather look over across the bracket at like a, a Houston and I mean, piss on Bill Self all you want. Like Kansas is very good. Kansas yeah. is Kansas is just fine, and uh, truthfully, like Baylor, I don't know. I, I shortchanged them last year a little. Maybe I'm doing it again when I didn't mention them in the same breath as they Duke were healthier Kentucky. last year. But yeah, that that's the thing. They got tested, man. That that was a tough Big Twelve schedule. Like it was. I worry about. That's right. I I really think Kansas might even be a little underrated based on how. I mean, to put up that what they did in the Big Twelve, like Kansas and Baylor, are very good. Houston tricked me into betting memphis to win the conference tournament i think they were again i've I said this five times they were sandbagging like they yeah. sandbagged the first two games and they came out and embarrassed them so mad at yeah. them so okay. I'm, I'm, I'm on houston again too so you guys know some sharp players um is there like okay if i'm entering a bracket pool with a bunch of really smart sharp college basketball minds what's the consensus going to be in terms of who comes out on the other side there Kansas. What are some of the consent? What are some of the consensus sort of sharp thoughts on uh, on how the right how the right half of the bracket shakes out? So, well, we have Kansas. I'm trying to 
Kansas and Auburn are the one, two in that weak ass. What is it? South East. Oh, that's the one South. that got no, Providence no. and Wisconsin. Midwest. Somewhere. Yeah. They got Providence and Wisconsin. Iowa's in there, but you know, who knows if they can repeat. They have LSU as the six seed with no coach. They got, um, yeah. If Auburn can get past USD Miami winner, they presumably. Yeah, go I was going to say Miami, Miami can win this region. Miami could win this region. Yeah. I mean, to me, thanks to Auburn in that region, but, Dude. uh, you know, they're probably a small dog uh, Kansas if they end up playing in the lead eight. But I thought they got a pretty nice draw. And I think I think they're going to enjoy, you know, two, three years ago when they made a run, they won SEC title, played like four games in four days. They're probably going to be a lot fresher. And, you know, I think they lost their first game in the conference tournament. So um, I don't I, I think Auburn's legit, but I got a future on them. So I'm biased. <laughs> What like series like the seventy one ballpark? Yeah, season? forty to one. Yeah, forty one. Nice. Um, it sounds like Andy likes my Calcutta team. By the way, uh, I didn't Who'd get to do the I didn't get to do the bidding. I'm uh I'm on a uh I'm just I'm just uh providing liquidity this time around. But uh, we got Kansas and we got uh, Miami. Um, I, I like that. Um, I said that so. somebody yesterday. As much as the nice things I like and I said about USC last year. Like if those seeds were flipped in the Miami USC game, that would make more sense to me. Like I, I, some of the seeds have been really off what I have this year. Maybe that's why I'm not a bracketologist and I don't feign to try to do that. But I think Miami is a lot closer to a seven than a ten. Um, so I, I think you're in good shape there. You know yeah, what else we got in the Calcutta's? This is I. This wasn't even something I didn't. I didn't review the numbers. I don't know how this happened. Our the bidder just happened into lucked into this, or this was strategy. We got all of the thirteen and to sixteen seats, all of them. All four, were, were they grouped? <laughs> all, was it grouped all six? They were each grouped, and we got each region's thirteen to sixteen. So huh. every thirteen to sixteen that wins is like gravy. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know what you were talking about when you said like what the the sharp consensus for like who moves on, because like there's so many different things going on. Like so many people are doing bracket leagues and yeah, stuff right. like that. And uh, we talked this um, through that uh, show I did with the four for four guys yesterday. They yeah, had yeah, yeah. From, They had the guy from Team Rankings on there, uh-huh. and he got well, oh yeah. The, he got deep in. The, I mean, we didn't have a ton of time with him, but he got deep in the weeds a little on game theory on uh-huh. how they they've built like optimizers where you you put in your um, you put in the size of your pool and then yeah. you put the payment structure in because they're like, well, if it's winner take all, you're not getting chalk, one. Chalk you're not. Up. He's like, if it's two hundred people and it's winner take all, there's going to be no one seeds in your final. <laughs> He's yeah, like right. you, you know you have to you have to go for that one percent winner where it's a four versus a three or something. He's like you know if you're playing twenty people in a in a home league and it's like first, second, and third are paid, it's like you can you can basically take your ones and twos and move them to the move them to the second weekend and then just kind of go from there and try to find some fun ones. But like you can just chalk those out. Like the game theory around bracket stuff is awesome, more dude. more than I'm gonna deal with because i haven't filled any out and i only have like <laughs> 10 hours here still but um no it's, it's right. interesting like you know that stuff i don't think there is a lot of you so, know I, even well i mean that's what that's where my point was going even in those calcuttas mm-hmm. i think everybody has pretty decent numbers and you're playing to the rules like okay. you did with the 13 to 16s. Like I'm guessing there's a bonus for the team that gets blown out by the worst or something there, yes, along those there, lines. Yeah. 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 If you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Biggest loss gets you paid. Um, biggest differential seeding upset gets you paid. Hmm. 
um and so yeah there's a couple incentives to go after the the the, the shitty guys um okay it sounds like you both think big 12 was the best conference in college basketball or do you matt lindeman is it actually the sec Nah, it's Big 12. It's better. 12. I mean, okay. it just a little bit deeper, a little bit better. Um, but this, I mean, this has got to be the best SEC's ever been, right? Like, I, I can't remember while, having three like legitimate title contenders. Um, but yeah, Big 12 is awesome, man. I, I don't know. Who's the third? Tennessee is I the legitimate title contender. I think, I think so. Tennessee's. I liked them better than Alabama or Auburn. I'd say Auburn is kind of a dark horse too. Oh, yeah. Alabama's like the preseason. They would just kind of come out of nowhere. I could see them. It wouldn't surprise me if they end up in the Elite Eight playing Gonzaga again. Like, that's that team that just like drives you crazy all year. And then they start playing out of their minds when they need too late. Okay. I always forget where Auburn got seeded to. Tennessee is always a title contender, Dan. They're a fun team. Um, They've never been a Final Four, but they're a title contender. Like, I it doesn't the, past results are not indicative of future success. This is that's what they say. Doesn't doesn't matter if they've been. Um, okay, so no, the, it's funny too the rankings because you get the the shit on the selection shows, and they show how many teams made it. And they show the Big Ten putting nine teams through. Like I went and did my rankings of conferences. I have the Big Ten fourth. Okay. I put them behind the Big East even. Like it's it's a bunch of teams that probably yeah, aren't going to do much. Andy. The Big Ten pays the bills. It's just the way it is. Yeah. You got to sell tickets at these arenas. You can't have super empty arenas for the whole first round and second round. It's got to have butts in those seats. Um, The um, last year, everybody was like, oh, the Big Ten is the best, might be the best conference we've ever seen. And then all those those teams sucked. Um, Is Big 12 not have a whiff of that with some of these? Texas, Texas inspires confidence. I don't know about that. You know, uh, there, there's a lot of uh, Texas. You know, there, there, there could be a lot of Big Twelve teams that are packing their bags early. The way I look at this thing, I think Big Twelve consistently underachieves. I know Baylor made the run, but usually they beat up on each other, and they're just like dead tired. I mean, both those conferences. Like, you know, the thing about the SEC in Kentucky is usually most years you have like three good teams in the conference, everyone else stinks. So they're fresh in March, but like Illinois has been playing these grinders for two and a half months. How are they supposed to be fresh in March? Like it's just really hard to come out of those really good conferences. Okay. Um, They're, they're so like you've seen, there's, they've had so many teams make it. All of those teams deserve to make the tournament, but they've just been grinding against each other for the better part of four months. Like some of these big 10 teams only played six non-conference games. They have a massive conference Crazy. schedule. They're just like, yeah, play play a few games and then get in get in the meat grinder with everybody else until like well after well after fucking February here and have fun with that. Like yeah. I think that might be a, a problem with this because if there were two or three really good teams that could cruise through a you know, you need ten more Nebraskas to cruise yeah. through and then you like Lindy said you'd be a little fresher. Mm, okay. So if I'm putting together my numbers for NBA for next year, who do I need to pay most attention to out of the individual players who could uh, um, do something special in this tournament? Anybody come to mind? I think this Jabari Smith sounds like he's going to be the number one overall. Uh, I'm not real good with players. Like I can't sit here and be like, oh, this guy has this or that skill set. Like I just don't, I, you know, I know the all Americans and probably the best guy or two for most teams, but I do not like I'm not real good with like scouting the draft prospects or anything like that. So I couldn't tell you who to watch. 
Andy, you got anybody you're excited to watch? No, all my guys play in mid-majors. <laughs> I watch, you know. Who's going to be like the Max Amis this year, though? Oh, God. I, when's the next time we'll actually have one of those? That was so fun. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm nice. a South Dakota State guy. Like, he he ruined my conference tournament. They were a four seed in their conference tournament. I mean, that team yeah. wasn't wasn't even really supposed to get out of that. And what they did was quiet, wild. But I think we actually – I probably misspoke when I said we won't see stuff like that anymore. The amount of these grad – not grad transfers, but these transfer portal guys. Like, hey, I'm riding the bench at yeah. in a, a, a top SEC squad. And it looks like next year – I'm going to get some minutes or I could go be the best player in the Southland. Tennessee, Tennessee has like spread out their last year's team. They had like three guys that were really top end players in, you know, in some of these smaller conferences. And that happened with a bunch of teams. Just Tennessee kept sticking out for me with them. But like, you can end up with some of these guys where it's like, man, this kid on this team so good. Like I played three years at like, you know, some of the Auburn or something. It's not like he's just been grinding it out in the America East for, uh, for his whole life. So I think there will have some fun stuff with people bitch about the transfer portal. And it's an enormous headache in the fall to try to figure out where everyone went and who they are. But it does make for some maybe a little more skillful players on these smaller teams. That makes okay. for better basketball. I got two mid-major questions for you, mid-major Andy. Um, outside of Gonzaga, which mid-major school is the last school standing? Oh, man, can you count the American? That's not fair. I think I can. almost want to. I almost want to move the American up into like the the stratosphere. Oh, no the yeah. Yeah, because they're always like a multi-bid league now. That's not fair. And even the even the Mountain West, like they put four teams in, but I mean the Mountain West probably should be called a mid-major, just based on where they put them. Well, it ain't gonna be Wyoming. And like, <laughs> I mean, Boise, Boise got a pretty tough draw. Boise now. Yeah. Uh, San Diego, San Diego State is gonna probably get Kansas in the second round. That's tough. Wyoming's already out. Colorado State. Colorado State might be your your They're one. They're going to beat Michigan. They can beat Michigan, and maybe they hang with Tennessee and move on there. That's a that's a spot. Maybe you can see a Mountain West team move too. But like, yeah, if we're throwing out the American, what does that leave me with? Loyola. That leaves me with Murray. They're not Murray's not beating Kentucky. That's a powerhouse blue blood. You can't take a team like that down. I probably should throw out the Atlantic Ten, and obviously, and who's doing anything out of the A ten anyway? Like, you tell me. Well, that was actually you just jumped my next question for mid major Andy. There's people out there who are buzzing that Davidson can take down Duke, and Duke might not make the Sweet Sixteen. And Coach K's run is going to come to an end before he even gets to weekend number two. Of yeah, the NCAA already said tournament. that. It's just horseshit. Okay, so you don't think Davidson really goes toe to toe with Duke? That's not. What do you What do you make that line, Lyndon? I say so. I shouldn't emotionally prepare myself for the last Coach K game to be this weekend. Yeah, probably. Davidson like really overachieved this year. They lost their best player. Yeah, I got Duke like six. It's a pretty bad defense. Like that's a fifteen point game. Who else has a bad defense? Duke. Yeah, it would probably be like seven, seven and a half, something like that. Okay. Okay. They, they they might just get myrtleized in there. I'm not I'm not big on the A10. Um and mm-hmm. I'm actually still mad at Davidson for losing losing that final and putting that was it to amazing. Richmond. Yeah, that was bad. God, I had Davidson as a future. Um SMU is in the American. 
I'm just scrolling down my list. Utah State didn't even make it. Horseshit, really. Boy, it's it's not looking good if unless you if you want to get out of those mid major mid majors. That's uh, that's not good. No, they yeah, set them all. They 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 lined them all up for the death squads. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. Um. How about uh, the um. To, to what degree does coaching matter, and does that, in some way, shape, or form, or you know, I, I guess is Jay Wright still a good coach, and does that give Villanova a puncher's chance at making the final? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I you just feel like, I feel like coaching is factored into their number to begin. You know, it's in their rating basically the whole time. So yes. there's no adjustment to be to be made really. Like. And it's, I mean, don't, wouldn't you feel like it's like kind of insulting to manually say, okay, this guy's, I don't know, to decide to bet, make a bet based on the coaching matchup and be wrong. Like I, that's just something I don't get too caught up in, but I know that there are a lot of sharp guys who, who handicap matchups a lot closer than me. Probably know that one style clashes with another or whatever, but as I just, I've never really gotten into all that stuff. So yeah, I, like I Syracuse's defense is tough to prepare for. If you've well, Syracuse is like it. a, Totally like just an anomaly. I one of, one of one, right? Yeah, like it's ridiculous. But um, I I don't feel like there's really necessarily any proof that like the better coach or who's regarded as a better coach does better in the tournament. Like, okay, I don't know if that's necessarily a thing. But what do you think, Andy? Coaching matter to you? You'd like to think so, but you see good coaches lose to bad teams all the time. Okay, so it's tough to say. And again, that's the uh, that's the tricky part of you know whatever one get best of one, like uh, a coach having a bad day, a couple of players have a bad day, you play the wrong style of ball, and you go up against a team that gets hot from three, and all the all the coaching in the world ain't gonna save you from. The worst is the foul trouble. That is like the worst way for a season, a team season to be ruined. I, they got to change that. But you to six, give everybody six. Yeah, like how are you going to ruin someone's season because a guy gets two fouls in three minutes in the biggest game of the year? Like, I just, it's way too much on the line for these kids to have basically a season decided on foul trouble. Got it. Okay. Last... Sorry, in a random rant. Um... No, no, that's fair. No, so, like last, last, uh, are there certain statistical categories? Free throws, defensive turnover percentage, three point shot percentage percentage of shots made by three are there certain statistical categories that you circle and you're like oh boy like if you're not good at these three things like forget about it you're not i'm not even giving you meaningful consideration or vice versa like this team's not great they're middling they're seated where they should be seated market price is what it is but they do excel at a handful of things that tend to be highly correlated with the Cinderella run. Anything statistical jump to you, Andy? I can forgive like a team with a fatal flaw, a team that has a high turnover ratio, a team that, you know, really bad on the offensive glass, you know, just, but it, it's their one, it's their one thing. Like they have a good offensive efficiency. Their defense plays well enough. They just turn the ball over a lot. Like that's a thing. It can be high variance, you know, one game where they clean it up a little and the guard plays better and they, they're 
thirty percent fewer turnovers. All of a sudden, they're in a game because the rest of the the rest of their game is so important. It is so important not giving away possessions, though, man. Like that's the same thing too. Like you find a team that can have a bad day with falls and turnovers. It's like that's a team that might just stink it up in the tournament if they're, if they, you know, if they have that if they have that build. But you're defense, describing defense, two dark horses here. Yeah, I know. Both Houston I, and Texas Tech kind of fit some of these. Well, and the, the thing about Texas Tech is too when you get into tournament play i do believe in defense like that the defense wins championship but especially early on in a tournament a team who plays really good defense is a pain in the ass you're trying to get your offense sorted out in a high pressure game in a you know in a unique environment if you're a lower seed the the crowd is probably against you to begin with and you have to play on a stellar defense like texas tech that's that's such a disaster. Like unless it's you know like Virginia, they just play at such a plotting pace that maybe the defense doesn't matter because they're getting like sixty possessions a game or something. But I, I think defense is something I look for. So this team just isn't a. They're not really a you know upset candidate. Okay. Not, the, the apple cart's going to remain up after the first weekend for a team like that. For me, how about you, Matt? Anything jump to your mind in terms of they miss a couple boxes? Or I guess in your numbers, do you have any like throw like flags like like take a? I would take a say close. the thing that would be most concerning would be teams that, uh, you know, I want to say have the highest percentage of three point or free throw, highest percentage of their points come via three point or free throw. Yeah. Those are two very hard things to predict game by game in the tournament. You got different venues, different refs. So if you're heavily relying on getting to the line or you're heavily relying on hitting threes, that's going to make me a little nervous. Um, and also, I, it's important to me that you're good at those two things, you know, especially like uh, you're talking games that are lined in the five to nine range. You want a team that can hit some shots in the last minute or two, not a team with four ball handlers just dribbling around trying to get to the paint for a bucket because they can't shoot threes. You know, and conversely, like you got a team, you're laying five or six, you want them to be able to hit free throws in the last minute or two, like, those are the two things for me, like more than defense or uh, anything else that I can really think of. I just – I don't know if there's one thing you could point at that's like this is correlated to tournament success. And I think if there was that, it would already probably be out there. We would know. Um, so, I mean, I know as basic as it is to say, I care about free throw shooting and three-point shooting and and at least having some kind of consistency with that. I think you, you hit it though, Matt. You went negative instead of positive. You can't. It's hard to pick something like, hey, here's something that – every upset team has in common or like a, a common factor for teams that play well above their head. I think it is the opposite. Like uh, it is something I look at in conference tournament play because in tournament play, again, one bad game is the end of your life. It's, it's done. And it was like, I think it was Northern Iowa a couple years ago in, in their, you know, the MVC, they were shooting like, or they were, like you said, you get too many points, a big percentage of your points from three point land. That can be one of those things where if it just regresses for 40 minutes out of the entire year, you're an early exit. And I, I feel like that was like my, the best conference tournament future I ever cashed was this is how long ago this was. Cause I bet it at five dimes when I was, <laughs> when I was still up, but they used to have every conference tournament. They'd have a no price for everybody. Yeah. And I said, I don't know who wins this, but Northern Iowa gets cold for one game and it ain't them at like minus one Oh five. So I, I had just, uh, I took like the field 
and they lost the first game. And I'm just like, yeah, well, this yeah. is going to be the best conference tournament season ever. All right. there. I think there is a little bit of a blueprint if you are an upset candidate. If you're a candidate to be upset. And it's if you are outside of like the top 100 in defensive turnover percentage, three-point Per, three point percentage and free throw rate per, you know uh free throw percentage because basically if you um if you are at a deficit in a game in the second half you're down eight for because the other team had fluky shooting like if your defense can't create turnovers and and get extra possessions it's going to be really really hard to close that gap if your de- if you, if your team can't hit threes and get the extra point in the possessions um that you know if you're going if you're going to be playing equal possessions you better be able to get an extra point and that either comes from the three point line or creating uh and one opportunities so i think if you know they're for sure teams like Iowa Ohio State and um and Iowa last year were good examples there's bunch of big 10 teams last year I'll, I'll fit that same profile like if your team's not creating turnovers on defense and you find yourself in a deficit in a game you've made it that much tougher on yourself to survive um and there's really only like one well-regarded team that kind of falls into those categories and it's kentucky unfortunately so yeah. we'll see what happens but <laughs> that's interesting yeah their guards don't yeah probably not the greatest but like you know turnover stuff makes me nervous too like you know how how do you really handicap west virginia in any tournament because you don't know which ref crew yeah, is going to yeah. call seventy five fouls in a game and right they have no shot if they get a, a crew that's calling ticky tack fouls like it's just it's i hate filling out brackets man i really do like it's, <laughs> it's so hard like i can't even figure out the fucking game in front of me much less you know three rounds in a hypothetical like uh, that's why i played the nba but yeah. that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wrap it up here. I was just giving you a hard time about Kentucky. They look pretty freaking down. Yeah, I, I could tell you were going somewhere with that. I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> it was, yeah, I, was, I was just coming up with. I was just coming up with the narrative that I could kind of uh, could give you something to lose sleep on. Kentucky. I don't need. Yeah, I don't need to be. I'm block that out. That's, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Edit that part up. Um, but no, no. You know who really fits that can't force a turnover and it has cost them now every time in a big game this season is freaking Duke, man. They That defense cannot force a turnover when they're down. That's why they lost to uh, Virginia Tech. As soon as Virginia Tech had a 10-point lead in that game, I was like, it's over. Turn it off. They're not winning the ACC title. As soon as UNC had a 10-point lead in the second half of that game, you know, final game of Cameron, it was like, it's over. But they forget it. Like the defense just can't create the turnover that they need to to close the gap. And it's uh, and and uh, just to um, we should close here. I should go to bed at some point. But per- Purdue is like bottom fifteen, bottom twenty in the entire <laughs> nation as far as like defensive yeah. turnover rate. I think. Like that's another Purdue. one where if Purdue, yeah, Ivy's playing poor, yeah, if they get down and Ivy's not playing good, it's like I don't I don't see that team coming back either. I think is I Yale say, is Yale the 14 seed that gets to win this year though. Yale kind of sucks, don't they? I think if there's a game that Purdue comes out and like flexes their <laughs> muscles, it's gonna be this one, right? But like Purdue suck, man. I bet them early in the year. I thought they were gonna be dominant. They suck. They could beat some <laughs> second best team in the Ivy League. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They did catch the future. That's right. Bulldogs. Two. 
number two. <laughs> All right. Well, appreciate your time, man. That was a fascinating insight into yeah, the, uh, the bookmaking process, which is something I always appreciate because I feel like that's a huge hole in my game as a player. So um, keep up the good work. Where can people find you on the Twitter sphere? And, uh, you know, what should they look for as we go through? to the nba playoffs you guys going to continue to do your pricing when we get to like series prices and stuff yeah you know i don't know exactly what the game but like you know someone asked me last week and i said i have no idea what the game plan is like we just wanted to throw it out there throw the concept out there and see what people sounds familiar. <laughs> what's that sounds familiar <laughs> <laughs> and uh we were just like let's just you know do it i think we're probably not going to do it every day i wanted to try that just so people could kind of see like how we adjust day to day in our process but um, you know, I don't think it, it might, might be something we do, you know, in football once or twice a week, you know, Saturdays Ooh. and Sundays, but I, I don't know exactly like NBA playoffs. How do you talk? Like what's in, like, could we even talk about anything? You put up the number, it's going to be the same for the it's most the part. Same as the game two, a hey, game three. Should, game hey, hey Mo, should we make it the same as the last game? Yeah. Yeah. Game three is different. Everything else is, I don't know. Like, I don't think an NBA. Yeah. So the home team lost game one. We better make them, we better add the three points price. to their favorite in the first half of game two. Yeah. Well, Justin's made. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I also don't know enough about NBA playoff. I've never like, I've never done any of this. So okay, yeah, maybe cool. I can have an intelligent discussion in two or three years about NBA, but this is uh, a new territory for me. Oh, nice. Cool, cool, cool. So get your deposits down at Wimbed yeah, and yeah, play serious. the NBA playoffs there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Thanks again. Appreciate all your time and uh, best of luck to your Kentucky Wildcats. All right, well guys. Everyone that. else out there who's filling out a bracket, I hope you win your pool. Uh, if you don't, don't come crying to us. <laughs> Maybe go back and listen to the, uh, the one I missed with all my with all the good bracket tips. Oh, Atlanta, yeah. <laughs>